Hey guys, Jesse Newell here, KU beat writer for the Kansas City Star. In today's Sports Beat KC podcast episode, I bring on Nick Schwert of Rock Chalk Sports Talk and KLWN 1320 Radio here in Lawrence. We discuss the latest with the KU basketball team. Will the streak go on? We give that some discussion. Also talk about this particular KU team's give a bleep meter before getting on and talking about the preview of Oklahoma State coming up this weekend and how we feel about the Jayhawks' chances of winning their next two road games. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Nick Schwert of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Happy to have Nick back on the podcast this week. Nick, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, Jesse. Always better when I hear your voice. Oh, that is so not true. <laughs> Isn't that a good way to start the podcast? It is a good way to start the podcast. It's an absolute lie, but it's, a, it's still a good way to start the podcast, I guess. It's fine, man. Whatever. I, I like you. You give me a hard time all the time because you think I'm just like this empty radio personality who just throws out takes without any substance or without really meaning anything. So I guess that's perfectly on brand for me. Ah, uh, that's actually not the truth. I, I tell everybody to listen to you because you are entertaining and you are insightful. And uh, I right, say but you talk to me when you talk to me. Oh, I'm well, that that's different. You don't ever say those nice things to me. That's... You say it to other. People which I guess is fine. That's different. No, I, I, I will give you this compliment, Nick. Uh, I am one of those people that can very reflectively or reflexively turn off sports talk radio just because if people talk in a certain way or with a certain amount of intel- intelligence about a certain topic, I just can't take it. But I will give you a big compliment. That never happens with your show. So there you go. I will say hey, that to your face. I appreciate that. And you know what? I always read every single piece that you put out. Never, never missed an article from Jesse Newell. Well, man, we better get to something else here before everybody else tunes out on this podcast. <laughs> KU basketball. We will talk KU basketball right now. Hey, let's start with the streak. We're all going to talk about the streak until it is completely dead. It was on life support at Allen Fieldhouse when K-State took on an early lead and looked like it might have a good night at Allen Fieldhouse. KU ends up winning, and that's what I expected at least in the quick scout, and now their hopes are still there for the Big 12 title. Last time I looked at some of the simulators, KU's about 22% to share the Big 12 title, so give me your thoughts on the streak, and, and I guess most importantly, Nick, what do you think the chances are that KU can run the table here and make this interesting? Well, that's the question. That's the way you have to frame it, because I think what a lot of people, I've heard people talk about over the past 24 hours as it relates to the streak is, well, Kansas State could drop one of these final three and Texas Tech could certainly drop one of these final four, which I think both of those are true. But the real question is, okay, will will the door be open? Will those teams leave the door open for Kansas to have an opportunity? I think so. Will Kansas be able to run the table and take advantage of that opportunity? That is the question that I think is more difficult to answer because on paper, both of these road games remaining, KU should win both of them. They're better than both of those teams. They should be able to go to Stillwater and get a win on Saturday. They're going to be favored in that game, and you would expect them to win. But they're also 2-7 and seven so far on the road this season. You're basically asking them, not basically, you are exactly asking them to double their road win total over the next week compared to what they've done in the last four months. I think that's a really tough ask, despite however you may feel about this team and the direction that they're headed. I think two big concerns uh, if you're a Kansas fan looking at this. Number one, Oklahoma State obviously has not played well as of late. 
but Bill Self just struggles at Gallagher Iba. I mean, there's been teams like this that Oklahoma State's had where you're like, all right, KU's going to walk, you know, sleepwalk through there, get the victory. And Oklahoma State has taken it to KU in Stillwater. And if we look just statistically at the numbers, uh, Stillwater's the toughest place that Bill Self's ever had to go to in terms of road atmospheres. And you wouldn't think that because usually it's half full. It's not the fan base of a Kansas State or an Iowa State where those teams really get up for Kansas. But this has been a difficult place for KU to play, coming off a big victory, all those sorts of things. And then not only not, not to mention the fact Oklahoma State shoots a bunch of threes, which kind of uh, makes you hold your breath, I think, if you're a Kansas fan. All those things go into it. You say, okay, uh, this sort of game at least has some scare factor to it, and this is not the sort of dominant Kansas team where, I mean, this isn't a top-five team. You know, they can't really go out to any road game right now and expect to win based on how they played in the past. And then Oklahoma, I think the danger with that one is that Oklahoma is better than people think just because they might be the eighth-best team in the Big 12, but the eighth-best team in the Big 12 might be the 40th best team in the nation. So um, when you look at the Sooners, they've had some losses, but that's just because I think the Big 12 has a very tough schedule if you're in the Big 12. You get the home game after at Baylor or against Baylor after that. I, I think KU wins that game. I mean, that's one of those. If KU has to win a home game against Baylor, KU will, will win a home game against Baylor. But these next two games, I think they're scary in their own ways for Kansas, and we'll see if the Jets can grind through. Because I'm with you. I, I think if KU takes care of its business, I think there's a good chance that Texas Tech and K-State both falter in the next two weeks. What Would you put a percentage on KU's chances of winning these next two games on the road? Uh, so both of them, or or you taking yes, individually? Because, yeah, yes, because you have to win both of them. So if you need to get to that point by doing them both individually, that's fine. But like, what what do you think the chances are that KU gets back to back road wins here to close the season? Forty percent. What would you say? I'd probably go a little bit lower than that. Yeah, I'd probably say thirty-five. That's, but, okay, that's well, probably about right. Point. Um. That to me is 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 what it's going to come down to because I I really do not expect Kansas State to run the table. I don't expect Texas Tech. So I think the opportunity will be there, but the opportunity has been there, Jesse. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We could, we could go back a week. We could go back two weeks. We could go back three weeks. Other teams have continued to keep the door ajar. Kansas has not been able to get back into the conversation, at least as firmly as they would like to be. And now, I mean, you are up against it. You are backed into a corner. That's the analogy I keep using. And you're trying to punch your way out. And you were able to do that against Kansas State with a, a ruckus home crowd behind you. Can you do it down in Stillwater in a game that otherwise would be pretty meaningless against an Oklahoma State team who's just looking to get to the finish line this year? And then next Tuesday against Oklahoma, as you mentioned, I'm not as high on the Big 12 this year, so I think you look at a bottom-half team in this league and you say, okay, well, uh, I- I'm not... I don't I don't throw the same sort of accolades on these teams that like where in years past if you're the seventh or eighth team in the Big Twelve, you're like, Well, you're just the team who got unlucky and, and had to lose a bunch of those tight games. Whereas Oklahoma this year, like I'm not I'm not really as high on them as maybe the advanced metrics would, would indicate. So those are both not not just winnable games. Those are both games where to me it would be inexcusable for a team with the pedigree of Kansas to lose. But based off what we've seen this year, it's almost like I've been preconditioned to expect Kansas to go and drop one of them. Yeah, you just said yourself, you put, you're put you putting the odds of them winning both games at 35%. So for one hand, you say it's inexcusable. The other hand, you're saying, well, it's a one in three chance that they even get right, this it's thing pedigree, done. It's pedigree versus the reality of what this team has given you this year. On the road. Yes. 
Well, I think let's go back and let's discuss some big picture topics here because obviously the Kansas State game, 64-49 now in Fieldhouse. The Jayhawks came out, played much better defense, but a couple things I think stood out that maybe could help Kansas moving forward, and I think a really big thing that could help Kansas moving forward was improved play from Quentin Grimes. Um, I wanted to discuss him just a little bit because, (laughs) you know, Nick, it's really difficult to talk about this or write about this because... At the end of the day, I'm still writing about an 18-year-old kid, you know, who chose a college and is not getting paid to play basketball, those sorts of things. But in the last week, I've looked up online, you know, college basketball reference, some of the advanced stats that are out there. And Quinn Grimes has basically been the worst rotation player that Bill Self has ever had on a statistical basis. And so for him to show signs, he still had that shot early. Nick J. Bills was kind of calling him out because he looked like he had a step on the defender, could have got to the rim, maybe tried to dunk it. He kind of, you know, short-armed it, kind of shooting like Jesse Newell at the rec center, you know, thinking he's going to get blocked. And uh, the fact of the matter, he's, you know, 6'5", 200, whatever weight he is, and he needs to try to go be physical with that instead was a little bit timid. But after that, you know, confident with shots, played good defense, according to Bill Self, uh, just looked better out there. And... Uh, I use the poker term or the poker analogy here, pot committed. I mean, Bill Self at this point, he has not sat Quentin Grimes at any game this year. Like, he has not benched him. He's been a starter every single game. Bill Self is pot committed to Quentin Grimes. I mean, at this point, he's going to ride and die with him, even if he has been the worst rotation player in the Bill Self era. So to see glimmers and signs of life from him, I think that's a pretty, pretty significant step for this Kansas team. And one area where you could say, hey, maybe you can't expect much more out of Ochai or much more out of Diedrich, but you can sure expect a heck of a lot more out of Quentin Grimes. And if that comes about, then maybe this Kansas team can just inch its ceiling up a little bit higher when they're going here into the Big 12 and the NCAA tournaments. Okay, but you can say that, right? You can say it is like a positive sign moving forward, but if I were to ask you, gun to your head, do you expect another performance like that from him on Saturday? What would you <laughs> answer? You know? Probably no, because we've we've talked about this many times this year, but yet it, it still kind of bears repeating because it's like, I mean, let's go across this line here, Nick. Uh, a 90 offensive rating with 18% usage. So that's horrible. I mean you want to be at least a point per possession, but even saying that, like, he doesn't take on a very big role for KU's offense, so you'd expect a more efficient player than that. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't make passes. He turns it over a bunch. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't get steals. Uh, He's a 55% free throw shooter. He's a 46% two-point shooter. I mean, he's made 33% of his threes, and if I'm being honest with you, going across that line, that's, like, the best thing he's done for this Kansas team, and we the whole time I've talked about how he is not a shooter and he that's not what you want from him or I, I guess you don't want them to be that to be his best skill set but um, it's been bad man I, like I don't know what else to say but like when you see a game where okay he's got 12 points he makes three of six threes and he's active defensively uh, it at least gives you a vision that maybe this can still turn out okay for Kansas uh, that might be wishful thinking but at this point wishful thinking is better than what he did the previous five games in a row basically showing no signs of life yeah, so in, in comparison to what you've seen, it is a positive step. And, and that's what I think the, the point we've gotten to with Quentin Grimes, where it's literally anything that you get from this guy is icing on the cake. Because you should be going into every game expecting from a production standpoint offensively to get basically nothing from him. Because the game's preceding his 12-point performance, I asked Derek this question on, on Rock Shock Sports Talk yesterday. Off the top of your head, maybe you're looking at it. You probably already have looked at it, so... What do you think is the last game he'd scored double figures points 
before that game against uh, Kansas State on Monday? Oh, man. Uh, I can't think of it. I mean, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Kentucky on January 26th. So almost a month to the date. That's a long time ago. Which would basically indicate to you, all right, once every three or four weeks, you will get a game like that from Quentin Grimes. And we can go afterwards, and, and Bill Self said he thought that uh, Quentin played good because I, I think Quentin did play really well defensively. He was playing hard, and that's the thing with him that I, I think maybe we're just we're, we're trying to find like a silver lining here with him. But one thing I think has been really impressive for uh, a top 10 recruit in the country who probably had one-and-done aspirations, for him to struggle the way he's struggled so far this year and to still be out there engaged, giving 100% effort, like that to me, I think that shouldn't go without mentioning. Like that would be really tough, I think, for an 18, 19-year-old kid to try and handle all of that stuff while also giving it all his all and being enthused. And we haven't seen him at any point mail it in, so to speak. I think that much is impressive that he's still out there being able to play 36 minutes a game, not because he hit three threes, but because he moves the ball really well offensively and he's locked in and engaged defensively. I think that, that kind of stuff does matter because you know that's a non-starter with Bill Self. If you're not engaged defensively, he doesn't care about your confidence. He doesn't care about your recruiting ranking. Like He's just not going to play you. That's a big part of why Grimes, I think, has continued to hold on to that role. But if he doesn't hit those three threes, with all that being said, if he doesn't hit those three threes on Monday... Is anybody talking about his performance afterwards? I don't know, but he did hit him, and it's important that he does hit him. I, I just know that uh, with KU and how they have to play and how they've been better, as we talked about, when they're hitting three-point shots and taking more three-point shots, it's very important that he's able to get his shot and get it to go in. You know, uh, his shot looked better. Uh, we can always obviously say this after he made some, but um, what, what game was it? Maybe two before that? Was it Texas Tech? I mean, it looked like he was shooting laser beams. It was just line drives at the rim. It, so you could tell he or the coaches or someone had put in a little bit of work to get him back to where there was more arc on his shot to give it a better chance to go in. So there's some credit to be had there, but I just think it gives KU such a bigger margin for error. I mean, you, Ochai Baji has been so solid for them. And he, they didn't really get much out of him. And I know they didn't have to go to David McCormick much just because of the situation, how well Mitch Leifert was playing. But it just allows them a little bit of breathing room when Quentin Grimes plays well and can play 36 minutes. Because otherwise, this team do, isn't very deep. You know, like they, they don't go super long in the rotation where you can throw a 10th or 11th guy onto the court and say, okay, Quentin, think about what you're going what you're supposed to be doing out there. So I, it just seems to give KU some breathing room and, again, a little bit of a higher ceiling if they can count on him for more. It just seems like a lot of recent games, it's like Bill Self holding his palms up and screaming at him and yelling at him and then finally benching him and sitting him for a while. And uh, when this process has to play out over and over and over again, it, it just it takes a lot to make up for that sort of thing. And I guess I can transition, too, to also Mitch Lightfoot, who we need to talk about. And first off, before we even get started, um, how do you feel about Mitch on Mitch Lightfoot, the song? I think it's really catchy. I have actually found myself like humming it and singing the chorus, like just like going about my day to day business. It's a really catchy song, man. Yeah, as as a writer, the lyrics are awesome. I mean, they they are like really really good. <laughs> so I guess shout out to uh, is the Jayhawk Talk podcast correct? That, uh, that first is came correct. Yeah. yeah, so a shout out to those guys uh, for uh, coming up with that and some catchy lyrics. If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, just type in Mitch I'm Lightfoot into Google and you'll be able to find your new favorite <laughs> favorite music video. But in all seriousness, really yeah, it, it is good. It's good. And just, again, 
there's some really good lyrics. Pull up the lyric video with it so you don't miss any of those because there's some good sort of inside jokes with Kansas basketball that shouldn't be missed in that song uh, when he's sort of doing his freestyle at the end. But in all seriousness, Mitch Lightfoot, uh, great, <laughs> really good, and allowed KU to play the defense it wanted to play where Diedrich was playing on the perimeter more because if Barry Brown got a switch and was able to drive by Diedrich, guess who was at the rim ready to block the shot? That was Mitch Lightfoot. So he sort of played the five, and Diedrich sort of played a guard, and for one game against Kansas State, it really worked out, but it's a huge game for him to play well, and obviously his Kansas ties seemed to matter in that game where he uh, he was very energized and got everybody else energized in the crowd as well. Yeah, and I think that's something this team should be looking to embody, right? Taking on that sort of energy. I always said this about Frank when he was here his senior year, that his give-a-bleep meter was just always higher than everybody else's on the court, and it's not to insinuate that other guys don't give a bleep or who aren't trying or playing their hardest out there, but everybody's playing as hard as they can. Everyone's giving 100%. Mitch is giving 110. And, and, or Frank was given 110 and I think that's what we're kind of getting to especially in that game on Monday it just seemed like Mitch was so much more turned up than everybody on the court and I think that started to have this sort of infectious nature on the rest of the team I don't know how much of it you can count on from game to game the guy sitting next to me happened to be uh, a a K-State reporter and he leaned in at one point during the game and he said why isn't Lightfoot starting and I kind (laughs) of because it just it just seemed like it was a funny question to be asked like well I mean come on and then I thought about it and I go well not that I was really trying to rack my brain over why he's not starting but I just couldn't come up with the argument as to why you know maybe you're not getting the full picture I was like well you know what I mean when he's out there the more that's been asked of him this year it seems like the better that he's been and that was never more evident than on Monday night I, I don't know if I count on it from game to game because he played what 11 minutes in the loss to Texas Tech so who knows what will be the case on Saturday against Oklahoma State. But, but in, in a season where you're, you're just desperately looking for an identity, I feel like you do have a tendency to latch on to whatever positives you get in that regard. And I wonder if Bill Self and that staff didn't see something on Monday that they're going to try and take advantage of moving forward with Mitch. Because, I mean... From a defensive standpoint, as you mentioned, from an energy standpoint, I think he kind of embodies everything this team should want to be. Yeah, and there's precedent for Bill Self playing these sorts of players. Uh, I always bring up Jamari Trailer. You know, Jamari Trailer started for a long time, and that was what he provided. Everybody sort of had a lift on the court when he was out there because of how he was unselfish and willing to accept his role and willing to go as far as needed to get loose balls or uh, do what was needed for the team. I think, I want to circle back to this, Nick. I think it's an important point. Um, The give a bleep meter. And I don't want this to come across as criticism. I I really don't. But I I want you to tell me if if, if I'm sensing this correctly. I'm looking up right now on, on Ken Palm, which you're, sh- you're shocked that one of my tabs right now open is the Kansas Ken Palm page. Minutes continuity from last year to this year. What do you think KU ranks at out of 352 teams? Wait, are you going to tell me what it was last year first? Uh, I can if you want me to. I can. That's yeah, I, w- I, wanna, I need a point of reference here. Min- minutes continuity last year was 202nd for Kansas. Okay, and there's what, 351 teams? Yeah, 352, I believe. Well, I'm going to say it's lower than last year. Uh, so there were 200 and what would you say? 202nd? 202nd. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to say this year they are 264th. Close. Really close. 294th. Uh, and it's sort of what I've been talking to a lot of people about on the radio uh, when I when I get these interviews is basically Kansas. I keep saying, well, Kansas always thrives in these situations down the stretch in the Big 12. But yet, who on Kansas has been in this situation before? I mean, go down the line. Who has been in this situation before with Kansas and has played games down the stretch in the Big 12 that's currently on the roster? Mitch Lightfoot? Marcus Garrett? Anyone else? No. No. So, no. so it's sort of crazy to me, Nick, when you talk about the give a bleep meter. It was sort of funny. Uh, I, I, was, you, I think you were there with me next to Diedrich Lawson, and he was asked, like, hey, are people talking to you about the streak, and are the people saying, hey, you have to keep this thing going? Uh, you know, and Diedrich kind of laughed and said, uh, and Diedrich, great personality. I love his honest answers. He's a funny as heck guy. Uh, but he sort of laughed and said, no, there was some lady who came up to me at the restaurant the other day and said, hey, you guys hang in there. And, you know, he sort of smiled kind of like, you know, we're still 20 and 6 or 21 and 6 or whatever. But he said, I, I thanked her and everything. But, yeah, you know, we put pressure on ourselves. We're taking this one game at a time, all those cliches. But I think there's something to be said about this team. When you only have two players and neither one of them are starters, how high or how invested or, or what is the give a bleep meter? Because I'm not saying they don't want to win the Big 12, and I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to them. All those things, saying that would be unfair to these guys. I'm just saying it meant more to Devontae Graham, who had been here four years and understood what the streak meant and had to go through that four straight years. It meant more to Landon Lucas, who had been here five years and understood what Kansas meant to him and understood all the guys before him and no easy layups and what Bill Self wanted. And it meant more to Frank Mason, as you said, the 110% thing. And he was always the guy that cared more than anybody else. It's tough for me to look at this roster and know, other than Mitch and other than Marcus, if there's just a true sense of what this all means and what this all is responsibility-wise. And so that's what makes this final stretch to me very interesting because I'm with you. I think other times in other years, I would say, I think Kansas is going to win these games even if the numbers don't say that. And I don't know if I feel that way this year just because there is no Frank Mason, there is no Devontae Graham, there is no Landon Lucas, there is no guy that's been with the program this long, that is a starter, that is in the heat of things all the time, that really understands what's about to happen here. So I guess I will throw it to you. Do you think I'm crazy? The answer can be yes. Okay, let's let's go back to uh, addressing that big old elephant in the room, right? That we discussed last time. Yes. Which is that who, whose job, typically, would you presume it to be to let everybody on the team know? The senior. How important it is to win the Big 12. The senior. The senior. I don't know if Kansas got much leadership from the only senior on this team. In fact, I think that you could make a compelling argument that he had a negative impact on this team in that regard. I'm not trying to blame it all on one person. I think circumstances matter. Context matters here. But that's a big part of it, man. Those upperclassmen are the ones who don't want to be known specifically. They always say we don't want to be known as the team who ends the streak. Specifically, you don't want to be the senior class who's responsible for it because you know all of the guys who have come before you, who have graduated and moved on, they're going to look back at it as, well, you were the seniors. You, that was your senior class. That was your business to take care of, and you didn't get the job done. Like, wouldn't that make perfect sense to look back on this team and be like, oh, well, they only had one senior, 
and it was LeGerald Vick, and he left the team in early February, and at this point, uh, I presume he left it and never returned. Like, that's, to me, that's a big part of what everything that you talk about with the streak and knowing what it means. Yeah, it's just, even things like, you know, Devontae Graham having to FaceTime, and, and again, great great on him for doing it, but like, Hey guys, get going and and sort of rallying this team. It just it has a different feel to me. And I think what's made Kansas special in the last few years is that they've had that one or two guys where like Mitch. I mean that 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 just bleed Kansas. You know, they understand the significance, they understand the teammates that came before them, they understand the streak, they understand Bill Self and what he wants, they understand what Kansas is about, they understand the things that Bill Self values and that becomes important to them as well. This is just a different year, man. I mean it's just and it had to be because when you had a nine man rotation and seven of those guys did not play for you on the court last year that's different. I mean, that's just not going to be the same. And I, again, I do not want to, this to be taken as a criticism of the current players because, you know, come to think of it, and I thought of this as you were talking about this, like Devon Dotson might be one of the most competitive players that KU's ever had. I mean, this guy basically came out after the Arizona State game almost in tears. And I was just like, whoa, you know, like, hey, this is just a, this is like a, a non-conference game in, in <laughs> December. Like, you know, it's, it's okay, you know, like, but he's not used to losing. And Bill Self even spoke to it a little bit after the Kansas State game. Like, he was so, so amped up that, like, he wasn't smiling. He wasn't himself in the first half and, like, really, really competitive. And once he loosened up and kind of relaxed a little bit, played better. So I, I don't want to say this team isn't filled with competitors or that they don't care because that is absolutely not the case. I'm just saying I think it's a little bit different when you feel more invested. And I'm not sure that this team is one of the most invested in the program because they don't have those three or four guys that have been there and they're juniors and that are seniors and have talked to the old guys and understand the significance that all this plays. So it's not a criticism. It's just more of a fact. And I, I think that might be something that is is interesting about this year's team. And, and it's interesting as they try to get this to 15 years. And if they do get it to 15 years, it's something we might look back upon and say, hey, that really was a pretty good feat for them to rally down the stretch because this roster didn't look like any other Bill Self roster. I think that's an important distinction to make, that it's a fact as opposed to a criticism. Like you're not – I'm not – and I because I agree with everything you said. And it's not to say like this is – it's not like point fingers and blame. It's just like, this is the reality. Yeah. This is the reality of this team. And I, and I wonder, and I'll always wonder this, as opposed to, I, I used to think, what would Bill Self do? Like, if he could go back in time, would he have still brought Lajeldvik back? I think, going back on it, the answer would probably be no. But there's a part of me that wonders, what was the number one deciding factor that led him to bringing Vic back? Was it shooting was it leadership was it wanting to give a guy a second chance because that to me like that's I don't, I don't know if it matters but it's really interesting to me because if the answer were he was a senior and you, you thought that he could provide some of that those leadership aspects that this team would be lacking with so many underclassmen and people who haven't played for bill self before i wonder if he felt like at the time like what else am i to do right this guy maybe hasn't shown in the past to be a great natural leader but kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place which is just i don't know it's just one of those fascinating decisions that i'm always going to wonder about and also something to watch down the stretch because of all these things i just said we saw mitch lightfoot and marcus garrett streak on the line play a lot of minutes against kansas state i wonder if there are difficult situations here 
uh, if Bill Self leans on those guys again and, and they understand kind of what it's like and what happens in these Big 12 road atmospheres and what this moment is going to be like down the stretch when it really is crunch time. So something to watch with this team, just sort of an observation. And uh, so we will see what happens moving forward. Nick, before I let you go, Oklahoma State, just give me quick thoughts on that. Uh, I, you know, Ken Palm has it as a seven-point game. KU 75% to win this game. Uh, you think this is closer than Vegas thinks? You think this is a game KU struggles? Once again, if we talk about KU being down scholarship players, Oklahoma State's down even further, I think down to seven. So uh, what do you think about this game, Gallagher? Okay, well, KU has two road wins on the season. <laughs> two, uh, and, two and seven. Them, one of them was an overtime victory. They won by five against TCU uh, earlier this month. One of them was uh, about a month and a half ago in Waco. They led by a lot, ended up letting Baylor back into it, won that game by five points. So, Jesse, in a roundabout way, to answer your question, do I think this game will be closer than Vegas and the analytics expect it to be? (laughs) Of course I do, because I am not going to bank on something happening that hasn't happened all year, which would be KU pulling away from a team down the stretch on the road. I do think KU will win. But uh, much has been the case all year. I expect them to make it very interesting. Should be a fun thing to watch here the last three games in the last two weeks of the Big 12 season. This is a race, and that doesn't always happen with Kansas here when it comes to the Big 12 streak. Well, he's Nick Schwert of Rock Talk Sports Talk, uh, 1320 KLWN in Lawrence. Be sure to check out his podcast. I'm Jesse Newell. Thanks for checking out the Sports Beat KC podcast, and be sure to tune in for another episode next week. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass.